Horror. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one magical rock at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. Magical rock? Yeah, the Palantir. Is it a rock? I don't know. I thought it's an artifact. Yeah. A rock implies just, you know, just pick it up and... It's not like a geode. Anyway, I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I like rocks. And today we're talking about Minute 18, which starts with Mary and Pippin gasping. As they're watching Saruman's body die. And ends with Treebeard saying this after Pippin picks the Palantir up out of the water. We see the Palantir just kind of fall out of Saruman's cloak as the wheel turns. The filth of Saruman is washing away. Thanks, Treebeard. Just <laughs> Thanks for explaining the visual metaphor. You sick tree. I was going to say a word that I'd have to bleep later, so I didn't. <laughs> Trees will move back here. Young trees, wild trees. Oh, this. The, so the Palantir is glowing under the water. Yes. But when he picks it up, it's not really glowing, or at least not in the same way. It's giving off quite a lot of light to be able to be seen the way Pippin sees it. Mm-hmm. And then when we actually see it, it's not giving off that kind of light at all. So that's the thing I noticed here. Also, Aragorn, when Pippin gets off the horse, is just like, dude, what are you doing? Pippin, no, you'll drown. <laughs> He just steps off into a hole and just, whoa. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, dude, they don't know what kind of terrain is underneath this gross water. I mean, there are giant pits. Exactly. That were dug out. So. Do you think an end just disappeared into the depths? Probably. They just reused that same shot of the tree from the last two movies being <laughs> put into the pit. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, <laughs> Just the same shot. No. But they just put a face on it. Brother Oak, no. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I mean, Peter Jackson just does just mention that that possible 25th anniversary cut with everything in it. Because during this, he's just like, oh, there's still so much stuff that's not in this scene mm-hmm. that we that we filmed. So good, good on them, I guess. There's just a ton of stuff. They talk about why they cut this. A little bit. I mean, it makes sense. Narratively, like... Right, this is your second movie villain. Yeah. And you're going back to finish off your second movie villain at the beginning of your third movie is like a pacing thing. I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. But it's Christopher Lee. I guess he still showed up to the premiere for Return of the King, even though it wasn't in the movie anymore. Whatever. Like... Good for him. Yeah, he was there the whole time. So I mean, not the whole time, but... We're also... Uh, this scene has a lot of stuff that was done in pickups with blue screen, you know, three years after the fact. The very next scene we're about to go into was like totally filmed three years later, oh, not the, in pickups. The, the banquet party, yeah. mm-hmm. something that they decided to film much later. But like, so the the whole front of this movie is full of stuff that was done in pickups or just stuff that was done when they were like, oh, we need something else for this. Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool. There's a lot of that at the front of this movie. In the commentary, Peter Jackson says something that I don't know if I necessarily agree with. Mm. um papa peach uh (laughs) he he's like you know we put this back in the extended cut because it's like a collector's edition thing so where one movie ends and the other begins doesn't really 
matter as much as the theatrical. I mean, I kind of agree with that. I So he's kind of gone back and forth as to whether the extended is like his quote unquote like director's cut. Like, because it's yeah. not, it's not the director's cut. It's an extended edition. Yeah. So, like, he's gone back and forth as to whether or not the theatrical is, like, his vision or, like, the extended is his vision. So, like. And he call, he says in this commentary track at the beginning of Return of the King that these movies will be considered by most people as the definitive edition. Is like, a, a thing he says. Yeah. But, like, which is not inaccurate. Right. That's why we're covering them. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, I mean, I was just talking to one of my friends about War of the Rings recently, and um, she was like, yeah, I've only ever seen the extended editions. I've never seen the theatrical ones, which is like where I was when we first started this. Mm. So I think that's true for a lot of people, especially like people who um, were too young to see it in theaters or just like didn't get into it at the time. Right. Because if you go try to find these movies for sale somewhere, like you're going to use like at a yeah, at a you're used store. Yeah, you're gonna get store. the extended one because. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. You're just like, oh well, why wouldn't I just get the the one that has more stuff for like the same price? But I don't. The thing I necessarily don't agree with is, I know that we we kind of talk about how it was filmed as one big movie, but I think because it is still three separate movies, you need to pay attention to where the the narrative breaks happen. Hmm. Um, which is my main issue with, I think, I think that's why I hate the, the ending of the second Hobbit movie so much is because it is, um, it's an act break. Well, it's bullshit is what it is, but like, <laughs> I mean, um, yes, yeah, so, like the, the greater, like, I think that fight is that, <laughs> that mentality that he says, like in the commentary, I think is what happens with the hobbit movies because Mm. he's just like yeah whatever it doesn't matter where it ends because it's all one story you're wrong like (laughs) it does matter where it ends it matters where your movie ends and it matters like it is like the lack of saruman in the theatrical edition especially because we'd seen the extended before um Mm. or like you'd seen the extended more than the theatrical in your case I think the lack of wrap-up with Saruman, like, there's no good way to do it, I think. Mm. Um, I think. I mean, this scene's only seven minutes. Yeah, but does it need to be seven minutes? Like, we we had a guest on last week. We had Nick on last week. But, like, did we, like, talk about anything? Like, we, <laughs> you know, it's it was a really light week. And until Saruman dies, like, nothing happens. Yeah. It's true. So, like, no disrespect to the late Christopher Lee, like, the late, great Christopher Lee. I don't want his ghost to, like, appear in my apartment and stab me. (laughs) But, like, you... It's kind of... It's tricky. Yeah. It is tricky. Because you want... You want resolution to the plot threads you leave hanging in the second movie. Right. The theatrical version of this scene is just kind of an implication that, you know, Saruman has dealt with. Right. Just let it be. This movie is like, a, th- this version is like the explicit end of him for the scene. But at the sake of putting the brakes on your movie. Right. But if you're going into an extended edition, that's you kind of expect that? Right. You expect more like, 
world building scenes and like fleshed out character moments. But the the thing that I disagreed with was his his thing that like it doesn't matter where the movie begins and ends so much with the extended. I think when things are in a collected box set, but I do think it matters less. You didn't buy these all as one box set. This is my thing. Like, you bought them separately. No. They're all still separate movies. Right. But they were separate releases intended to, like, complete a set. Like, right. with all, like, the same packaging and the same ancillary materials added in. And the appendices are labeled as, like, parts one right. through whatever, like, in order. Right. I understand that. But that's not... That's the appendices. That's not the movie. Right. But, like, that tells you what the intention of the product was. Because the appendices aren't labeled Fellowship 1 and 2, Two Towers 1 and 2, right. Return of the King 1 and 2. They're labeled appendices 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. No, that I, shows you the intention of the marketing and what the intention of the product was. I understand that's the intention of the product, but I don't agree that the movie part of the product... I don't agree with that, what he said. Like, I'm fine, whatever, we own the box set. Like, clearly, I like the box set. Right. I don't take issue with the... Um, inclusion of like the appendices material and having it numbered from disc to disc or whatever Mm. i just take issue with him saying it doesn't matter where you end your movie or where you begin your movies well he means specifically like an extended box set scenario because most people are going to watch them in such such close proximity the reason you have such clean breaks in a theatrical movie is because there's a year between releases that's not as necessary in something that someone's going to have sitting on their shelf at home. But even if, even like a book series, if you're not reading a book as it's coming out, like, I don't know, we grew up reading Harry Potter, like, when the like when it came out. Right. To use Harry Potter as an example. But, like, for everyone growing up after all of the books have come out, like, in the past, what was that? That was, like, 10 years ago, right? More than 10 years ago. Like, 12 uh, years ago. So, like... Um, when did the, the seventh book would have come out in, like... I think it was 07. Was it? Yeah. I remember being at summer camp because the day that... The, the, the day before the midnight release of Deathly Hollows, I was at summer camp all week, and my hair was filthy, so I cosplayed as Snape at the midnight release, and I just didn't wash my hair. That's hilarious. But, like, I remember this, um... Because the, okay. the first book came out in 97, didn't it? Yes. 90s. The 90s. I think it's 97 because the in-universe, the Battle of Hogwarts takes place on the day the first book in our world was released. Really? I thought it was like 93. No, I think it takes place oh. on like the day anyway, the first book okay. was released. But like, okay, so with a book series that's intended to tell one continuous story over the course of this character's journey. Yeah. If you're if you're growing up post Deathly Hollows release, yeah. you're reading all ostensibly, you're reading all of them back to back. Yeah. It matters where your book begins and where it ends. Yeah. I mean, Lord of the Rings is kind of written in a continuous story way. There are there are decisive breaks. It matters where your book your book one, your book two, your book yeah. three, four, five, six. There are decisive breaks in the Lord of the Rings books. But they're also not the same kinds of breaks that exist in, like, other continuous stories that are multiple books. Because they were all, like, plotted out as one narrative. Right. Well, the reason I'm using a contemporary fantasy example is because, well, Lord of the Rings is over 50 years old, first of all. Right. And Lord of the Rings is an anomaly, I think, because... 
I feel like I've read other fantasy stories because of Lord of the Rings uh, that are structured in the same kind of way where it's like one continuous narrative and they just choose like the content of a book leads up to what is really just an act break and not like uh, the conclusion of a story in that like, yes, there are like more act separations in between, but but like like, if you were to plot the whole thing. I'm not talking about like the continuous, the overarching story. I'm talking about like the the mini arc of the book right okay so, so like i know that the the this trilogy is intended to be seen as as a trilogy but like the mini arc of your movie it matters where it begins and where it ends that's that's what i'm talking about yeah i mean i honestly i think that for the most part the way that these movies are all put together even the extended editions i don't feel i i never really feel like the pace is truly slowed to a halt in these movies even in the extendeds i i never really get the feeling that the the narrative is dragging um, exposition gandalf would disagree with you like that's the only place and i think that it's mostly because that is a purely talking scene that's not but like so, dynamically shot so is all last week like it's just saruman and gandalf yelling at each other about wizard stuff saruman really likes the word doom which I forgot yeah. to talk about. Like, yeah, he does. He says it like five times in the course of like the seven minutes he's on screen. Yeah. But like... But it's, this is more dynamically shot than Exposition Gandalf. I'm not bored by this. See, but I think that like... And one of the producers, I don't remember if it's... um, um I don't remember which producer uh, it was. But one of the producers is like, agrees. Like, this is your, mo- your movie to villain. So like, it makes sense for it to be cut out of the theatrical. Yeah. I mean, if anything, this this makes more sense as the end of the second movie. Yeah, but like, oh, can you imagine seven more minutes, dude? Okay, but the the second movie ends. But so if you were well. gonna, but if you were gonna end the second movie with this, I think that you would end the second movie with the with the banquet, because then the second and then movie you have Frodo and Sam wandering. Mm. To... No, no, no! You have the banquet as the last thing. No, no. Okay, no, because I think. I mean, you could just yeah, you could just do the banquet and you like have to, just do just the start of the banquet and then just move over. You have to end over. the movie with your main character. Yeah. You have to. I mean, they could have made the choice to end the second movie with Aragorn because Aragorn is ostensibly the main character of the third movie. The main character of Lord of the Rings is Frodo. I'm sorry. Yeah. You have to end your movie with your main character and the main plot. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, the overarching story versus, like, the mini plot. Mm. Like, the mini arc. The mini arc of Two Towers is, like, the Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli battle stuff. The overarching story of Two Towers is Frodo, Sam, and Gollum. Mm. I mean, in I th- my opinion, I think they get equal screen time. No, that's when I say mini arc, I don't mean like screen time. I'm talking about like this is the way that it's separated. This is the umbrella. Like the big umbrella story is Frodo going from the Shire to Mount Doom and back again. Right. And then you have all of these mini umbrellas underneath talking about each other character's stuff. See, but I think the way the narrative of these movies is put together is we're supposed to basically put equal weight on Aragorn and Frodo's narratives. I think the I think that's true in Fellowship, but I think I think I disagree with myself three years ago. Mm. Like Because we talked about this yes, when we were talking about yes, Fellowship. Yeah. And Fellowship is different because like Fellowship's the introduction, so you're supposed to like Hey, this guy's important, and also this guy's important? Yeah, I, honestly, I think that Aragorn feels the least important in Fellowship out of the three. Really? Yeah, the more that I, I kind of think about it. Because it's the introduction to a story. We get bits and pieces, 
And um, it's the climax of that movie that cements how important Aragorn really is and how important he's really going to be in the narrative going forward. It's not the beginning of his part in that story. It's the climax of Fellowship that cements that. The passing of the responsibility of Gondor from Boromir to Aragorn is the moment narratively where Aragorn takes up that uh, that story, that narrative weight. And it's that moment forward, it, that moment is what drives Aragorn's actions all through Two Towers and into Return of the King. Yeah. Like, that. that's the point where Aragorn picks up that narrative weight and why there's, like, an equal amount of screen time, because that's how you structure importance in movies between Aragorn and Frodo across Two Towers. Because Frodo definitely has more screen time than Aragorn in Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, yeah. Like, Frodo is the well, 100%... Well, Aragorn show up until, like, what? Like, 40 minutes in? Yeah, it's, like, somewhere between the... It's somewhere between, like, the 25 and 35-minute mark, I think. I don't I, remember. I'd have to go back and look... We have conveniently notated all of that. Right? Uh, we could go With check. With screen caps. Wow. Uh, so I, I think narratively that Aragorn doesn't pick up like an equal share of this story in Toll Two Towers. And there's so much importance placed on uh, Aragorn's future through the structure and the story of Two Towers that I think that we as an audience are supposed to view them as equally important narratives. I don't think that it's really like a main story, sub story thing in the minds of the movie makers when it came to how they structured these the second and third movie. I think they view them as equal in narrative weight because they give like equal screen time right. to Vigo and Elijah. I mean, like this is. We're like way outside the, the actual as, plot at the this, moment. This is as close to we're still talking. We're not talking about Naruto or anything. No, 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 but we're <laughs> like we're out, we're outside of like the movie and like talking about but, the like, making of. What else are we gonna? Yeah, I know. There's not much going on in this minute. Not, Ooh, not, shiny. not a lot to like dissect. Okay, but like, Pippin's tookish curiosity gets the best of him. I forget what I was gonna say. Now I'm sorry. Boo, boo. Anyway, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree that Frodo and Air, like, in the minds of like the 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 movie makers, Frodo and Aragorn are similar. Like, similarly important as mm. far as, like, the narrative goes. But I think Frodo is, like, if they're not if they're not on par with each other, like, Frodo... I know Frodo's shorter than Aragorn, but he's, like, taller narrative-wise, you know what I mean? And, and to end... To end the second movie with Aragorn, um, especially when, like, the back half of that movie was the, Hel the Battle of Helm's Deep. Mm. Without returning back to Frodo and Sam, yeah, to, like, I mean, centered I, I, the narrative. Yeah, I mean, I guess I take that back. Like, I think that it is the better final scene, like the better final shot for a movie for like the the little tunnel scene. I do think that the tunnel scene, uh, really well visually ends the movie because of kind of what, uh, what it represents leading into like the the final part of your story. Yeah. Because, like, the tunnel implies so much, like, coming darkness. Yeah. There's, like... A tunnel. <laughs> a tunnel. <laughs> like, there's... And then... And Gollum in the... Gollum in the trees, like, hinting at what's to come. Like, that's such a great way to end the movie. Mm -hmm. But it does leave... Uh, it does leave all that time that they spent building the narrative threads for all the stuff in Rohan and Helm's Deep just dangling which in some ways feels kind of unsatisfying as a story beat. And then to not really have a resolution of it, I get it. Like, they talk about how this was, like, a really hard thing to cut. Yeah. 
like a really hard decision to make, like because it's Christopher Lee and because it's Bernard Hill and because it's Brad Dourif and because this does just wrap up a whole bunch of stuff and like in a greater narrative sense, maybe not in a pacing sense, like cleanly lead to how Pippin gets the the Palantir and like where it came from and it sets up Denethor. Like this scene actually sets up a lot for the coming movie. Yeah, but I think I, I still think that it it doesn't. It doesn't bring the movie to a screeching halt, but it, like, pumps the brakes a little. Like Gandalf watching the sunset or the sunrise speaking into the darkness. What? Like exposition Gandalf, like, just oh, brings oh. The, the second movie to a halt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that that is the, the, the slowest scene in the whole trilogy. Gandalf has a lot of exposition. I mean, that's generally, that's his role. Yeah. He's Merlin, like. I mean, like, he's, he has a very authoritative voice. Sorry, Ian. Right. So, <laughs> so you just most of the time you just want to listen to him, but yeah. like it's that one, speak. it's that one scene where it's just like, Ian. Come on, man. Ugh. It's it's not his fault. <laughs> he does a wonderful job. Yeah, it's just that it's just not, it's not interesting. Right. Like it, at least this scene has like dynamic camera movements, multiple characters, multiple points of view. Yeah. Ends with like this climactic moment of like the fall off the tower. There's a lot of shots of just Saruman just chilling on the top of the tower right rolling. but there's motion like there's the wind blowing he shoots the fire yeah. down anyway my point is this that frodo is the main character and peter jackson i disagree with him yeah, yeah. <laughs> see i think i think that peter's just like a little bit ahead he recorded this was recorded you know almost 20 years ago this commentary yeah so i think that peter is just kind of like a little more ahead in some of his thinking than like a lot of people were at the time because people weren't really into like binge watching yet in 2003 2004 that wasn't that hadn't really become a thing yet but i think like in the modern sense of storytelling like the structure of netflix shows is more like this where like but there's a difference in uh there's a difference in in like a movie versus like a serialized television show or even a miniseries i think the uh, the only real difference i think is scale i mean the marvel movies have kind of shown that like people will pay attention across multiple year releases like more so than we ever thought they would right because people are more attuned to the serialized narrative instead of like an episodic story right exactly and that that's just has come from the way the media has developed with the advent of internet streaming services and on the on-demand video and i would argue that lord of the rings is like a major proponent of of that like into the modern like oh yeah i think stuff the mcu i don't think would have even been attempted or would succeed would have succeeded the way it did if not actually for the success of the Harry Potter movies because there's eight of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there should only be seven. I agree. <laughs> I, I I agree, but I'm also just when I because I remember what happens in Deadly Hallows Part One, like for real. Yeah, but I remember when I read <laughs> reading uh, Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows. I remember when I read those, thinking about it because the movies were already coming out and like thinking about uh, how they were going to do some of this stuff. Not a lot happens in the first part of Deathly Hollows, but to show it all, to show what does happen takes a lot of time because there's a lot of reestablishing of things from yeah. earlier books that like in the book, you can just use a line and the reader can go find their copy of like the second or third book and go look at it right? and be like, oh, okay. But in a movie setting, you want to go, you want to actually like show your audience the thing that you're referencing from four movies ago. So, like, it just takes time out of your narrative to have to do that. And you kind of have to when you're making a movie because it's a visual medium. Right. So, like, you have to show things and it takes time. 
I do think that most of the Harry Potter movies are perhaps a little longer than they need to be. Well, this isn't Harry Potter minute. We're stepping on their toes. We are stepping on their toes. <laughs> but I, I think that the MCU really owes a lot of its success to the success of those Harry Potter movies. Mm. Because eight movies is a lot. And they came out over the course of nine years, um, I want to say. The last one came out in, what, summer of 2010? Eight years? Yeah, it's either eight or nine years, because I was in... Was no, I in eighth, because... Um, was I in eighth grade when the first one came out? Source, uh, Sorcerer's Stone came out in 2000. So, yeah, so there's like 10 years of these movies. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it took 10 years for them all to come out. And I think that was that was proof that, like, this super extended story model can work, because previous attempts at adapting longer works of... Uh, longer, uh, longer, like, children's stories or your adult fiction always would peter out after, like, the second movie. <laughs> peter. <laughs> like we we're we're never gonna get all seven Narnia stories. We might. They, they just they just never make. I think Narnia enough lends money. itself to like a mini series. I agree. I think like the BBC had it right. You know. Yeah, I agree. Aside from like the creepy beaver people costumes. <laughs> <laughs> but like I I I tend to agree that the the Narnia stories make more sense as like a mini series. Like drawing them out into the epics clearly doesn't make enough money to sustain a yeah. franchise. The first one's not bad. It's not. It's all right. Uh, even, uh, honestly, even, uh, the, what is it, the, is it Prince Caspian was the next, the second one that they did? Uh, the, the yeah. one that they did after Line Witch the Wars of. Yeah. Is, like, kind of dull, but still, like, a really visually impressive movie. Yeah. So, like, it had that going for well, it. Well, okay, even to take a... But Golden Compass, okay? Yeah, yeah I was gonna say, Golden to Compass. take a young Everything about that movie, that everything about that movie has, like, the fingerprints all over it of people that, like, were really passionate about they were what they were doing. Yeah. And the movie still bombed. Right. Dude, Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman isn't it, are in that is movie. Isn't it Patrick Stewart is the voice of a bear? I think so. <laughs> like, Patrick Stewart is the voice of the, the pants To be fair, Patrick Stewart is also the voice of a poop emoji, so perhaps not. But, like, I mean, like, that's being adapted into a miniseries. Yeah, HBO, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Miniseries? Series? Question mark? It makes more sense to me as, like, a nine-episode miniseries. That's how I kind of see his dark materials being done. The, the first book in that is the best and the only good one. Fight me. My sister um, loves those books, as far as I'm aware. She might have dude, grown to dislike them. Dude. <laughs> oh. I remember. Okay. <laughs> I remember I remember my sister explaining some of what goes on in those books dude. to me. And just being like, I what? The third book is crazy sauce. But like, okay. Don't they have like the subtle knife? Can it like cut through dimensions or whatever? That No, that the everything of everything um about the subtle knife as an artifact. Like. It's awesome. Not the book. The book blows. <laughs> you 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 took my girl and oh no, I have like I haven't read those in so long since like middle school and I have like emotions. Remember all those Catholic Church protests about the Golden Compass? Whatever, dude. The first one's the best. There's armored fighting bears. Yeah, you got I'm giant in. polar bears. You got a cute like animal companion. You got alternate. That is universe. the physical representation of your literal soul. You got alternate universe London, like it's the best. That's the thing about those stories you got a that I just like. Young girl, like protagonist, who gets like, oh, dude, I'm so angry. <laughs> I I anyway. never finished those. <laughs> I only read the first one. I hate her stupid boyfriend, mm. who's like the main character of the second book. And then like, isn't her dad the bad guy? Yeah, her dad's like sugar mama or something. <laughs> I forget. It's. 
Anyway, I just remember being really angry about her stupid boyfriend. Anyway, but, uh, I yeah. think in the I think in the era of binge watching, <laughs> in, the, in the era of binge watching, and like in the way that modern media is presented, I think that there is much less of much less narrative importance placed on the breaks in your story than there used to be. I think it like I think my main thing is that like. If you're going to make a television show, just make a television show. If you're going to make a movie, make a movie. Like, in my brain. Yeah. I... I, I mean, those walls are just coming down because yeah, modern media is just such a different have, beast. I don't have to like it, Norman. I can disagree with it. <laughs> it Get with the times, happening. Cassandra. You know what? Screw you. Have you ever, re- have you ever written a script, Norman? No. Get out of... <laughs> Get on my level. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know. Just because it's a thing doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah. Just because, just because like low rise jeans are a thing doesn't mean I have to like them. High waisted jeans only. Yes. <laughs> up to the belly button. At least. Just keep it all just, up in there. Just high waisted jeans, right up to the nipples. Want to take these fly fishing? Oh my god! With my galoshes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Uh, I'm broken. We're on an even episode, so... (laughs) I know, I know. Take us out. Take us out, just like Saruman. Play it again, Sam. Oh, Uh, no. Play it again, Saruman. here. That's true. Take it away, Treebeard. So, (laughs) you can check out some other (laughs) Dueling Genre Movie by Minute podcasts on DuelingGenre.com, such... As Cornetto Minute, Cornetto Minute, Mimit, Cornetto Minute. I think we're on Spider-Man Minute this week. Yeah, I think I think so. It's either this week or next week. Trying to keep things straight in my brain. Yeah. We uh, need a Palantir, but for like podcast appearances. Yeah, just so we can talk to Scott. Isn't that like Skype or something? No, 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 no. no. Like just because the Palantir shows you visions of what's to come, right? So no, like, it's, it, it can't. It doesn't show you what's to come. Is it just a cell phone? It's, yeah, it's like cell phone. Oh, okay. Never mind. Like, I can just talk to Scott whenever. Right, exactly. Hey Scott, what's up? That is what I'm saying. <laughs> so, like, that's just that's just Twitter. That's your your podcasting palantir. Yeah. No, but I forget. It's just like, oh, they remind us, like the Mad Max minute, like no, but tagging they, us. Yeah, I get the notification. I'm just like, oh wow, yeah, I'm on a podcast. Yeah, you so. get it in real time. Like that's how the palantir works. Yeah, I, I guess. Unless you fool the palantir with your magic and show visions of destruction, because you're a Saruman and you're an archangel and you do what you want. Ugh. But tagging it in real time does not help when we're recording. Also ahead. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's I mean, true. also, like, when we record them, people don't always know when exactly when they're coming out. That's it's true. Just... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I think we're yeah. on Spider-Man Minute this yeah. week. Cornetto that Minute. was fun. We talked about eggs for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, we talked about eggs. We talked about, like, how there's, like, this weird microcosm of an entire romantic comedy in that week that we talked yeah, about. but, um, it, yeah, listen to that. It's good. It's yeah, fun. listen to it. James Franco and Christian I've never Nuts. seen Spider-Man 3. I guessed on Spider-Man 3, so. <laughs> just, that's your brand. That's your brand. What? It's, Just, I, it's fun. Except when we talk about Fury Road this past oh, dude, yeah. this past week. I love that movie. Yeah, it was great. great. Uh, so yeah, there's Cornetto Minute. But they're not with Stuart Spider-Man Minute. Go check out the backlog for Back to the Future Minute. There's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute. Harry Potter. We Harry Potter Harry Minute. Potter a lot. We, we do talk. I mean, how can we not? Yeah. Like, it's the contemporary fantasy movie when these were coming out. Yes. Like, it's important to yeah. touch base My with it here and there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, go check out those. I, I, there's about a dozen or so, I think, Movies by Minutes podcast on the uh, site. I don't know if there's that many, but there's a lot. It's like give or take a couple. I'm pretty sure it's at least 10. 
Uh, but yeah, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 19. Please. Bye.